great uh, gift of God to us in the book of Proverbs. And before I get to our text, I'm going to read verses 1 to 7 of Proverbs 1. But let me give you a, a couple of things to be praying for uh, within our congregation. Um, uh, most of you, if you're a visitor, uh, you don't know the Huff, Huff family, but most, most of you know the Huff family. And they were in an accident about three weeks ago. Uh, Emily, was, Emily, the mom and wife, was severely injured uh, but has um, miraculously improved over the past uh, three weeks. Uh, she had um, pelvic surgery on Tuesday of this week. It went very, very well. Uh, they, they have all the tubes out of her and have her transferred um, uh, to a place uh, right behind TMH that's basically um, an uh, inpatient um, uh, physical therapy. And so she will, over the next few weeks and months, begin to um, begin to uh, hopefully recover um, well. And uh, so keep praying for her. Uh, we should celebrate uh, and, and express gratitude to our God for how he has protected Emily's life. Um, and, and, and it appears as if she is, is, is going to recover. Um, and so keep praying for them. Uh, keep staying um, alert to messages of ways to help them. Uh, so folks helped uh, them. They, they need to move uh, for financial reasons. They were, they were planning to do this anyway, uh, but they're moving in with Alex's mom. And so over this month, we're trying to help them uh, through several ways uh, to get them uh, through that process. If you want to help with moving, you can see Daniel. Um, and, um, and then there will be some other needs um, that come up, ways that we can help the Huff family. And then I ask you to pray for my family, as I, I mentioned uh, at the beginning of the service. My oldest son, JJ, has uh, been sick for, we're on 11 days now, over a week and a half, and uh, was in the hospital twice uh, with dehydration issues. And we thought I had it under control later this week, but had another round of vomiting last night. And uh, so it's been a, a mess of a week uh, for the Robsons. And so we would appreciate your prayers. We're, we're of course, tired and concerned. Uh, the goal for today is to kind of keep him hydrated enough to get into the doctor in the morning. Um, and hopefully uh, they'll have some next steps for us. So but be praying for that appointment specifically. Up to this point, they've kind of been, eh, we don't know, and, uh, and which is frustrating. <laughs> and uh, so uh, possibly a virus that was just super severe, hasn't been able to. Uh, recover from, but, but we're not sure. And so would you pray for JJ and our family? I'd appreciate it. And now would you join me in Proverbs chapter 1? I'm going to read verses uh, 1 to 7 for us. Hear now uh, the word of the Lord. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let's pray. Father, would you help us now as we come uh, to these words that uh, there is so much here in, in such a short uh, passage, so many important and weighty words uh, that we've just heard. And uh, so in some ways we uh, we come overwhelmed and, and uh, needing your help with this 
with this text and, and with this book, and we trust uh, that this is a gift from you, that there is life here, there is truth here. And uh, we pray that we would be receptive to that. We pray that uh, you would open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts uh, to hear and receive your message um, and to know how this points us towards Christ and how we can find life here. Uh, we do pray for needs in our congregation uh, more than I've mentioned. Um, and, and Father, we are, uh, we are people who are broken and hurting and, and we need uh, your help. And so uh, I ask for healing uh, for Emily, that we, you would continue to protect. I, um, we celebrate and are in awe of what you have done to preserve her life. Uh, with the injuries that uh, we uh, saw her have, um, it, it's amazing uh, where she is today. And so would you uh, continue to protect, uh, to enable her to heal and to recover? And uh, we do pray for Alex and the boys that we, you would continue to care for them and give them rest and stability during a chaotic time, uh, provide for the many needs that will continue to be in front of them. And I do pray for uh, JJ this morning, and I pray for my family, that you would give us rest, uh, that you would heal JJ's body, that um, if this issue continues through, the, through today, that as he goes to the doctor the, uh, tomorrow morning, we'll, we'll head in a, in a better direction and, uh, and some ways to help him. And so uh, would, you, would you help us? Uh, would you pour out your mercy on us uh, for the many other needs that sit here uh, before me uh, this morning? And we are grateful. Uh, that we can come and find in you a compassionate Father. And we pray all in Jesus' name. Amen. A friend of mine uh, recently posted on social media a picture of his vacation accomplishment. And it was one of those puzzles. It was one of those like 78 million piece puzzles uh, that, was a, that they had constructed over their family vacation. It, it was a reproduction of a great work of art. And that reminded me of our project over the next several weeks in the book of Proverbs. You see, if you're even a little bit familiar with the book of Proverbs, you know that this, this book is about what topic? It's about wisdom, right? It is about the topic of wisdom. And, and when we hear the word wisdom, we want a definition. Uh, we want a flowchart. We want bullet points, right? But that's not what we get in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs doesn't give us a philosophical proposition. Proverbs gives us a picture, a portrait of what it looks like to be a wise person, of what it looks like. To live a wise life. Isn't it so interesting that when God chose to communicate wisdom to us, He did not communicate it in prose. He communicated it in poetry. That's what Proverbs is. It is poetry. It is language that works with images. And so over the next few weeks, as we spend some time in the first nine chapters of this book, we are going to try and piece Together, this portrait of the wise life and how we can live it. And the first piece of the puzzle is right there in verse 7 of our text. The first piece of the puzzle is fear. 
Fear is the first and most important element in the wise life, according to the book of Proverbs. You cannot have wisdom without fear. It's here at the beginning of the book. It's there at the end of the book in chapter 31. And it is a repeated refrain throughout this book. Fear is essential to wisdom. Now, fear isn't something that we think of as positive. Fear isn't something, it's not a desirable experience for us. It is something that we try to avoid in our lives. But not only Proverbs, but all of Scripture calls us to fear. Calls us to fear God. So we need to ask a couple of questions this morning. What is the fear of the Lord? And why should we have the fear of the Lord? So first of all, fear. Fear of God. What is it? Do you remember Abraham? Remember Abraham, this very significant figure in the Old Testament story, this founding father of God's people, the nation of Israel? You remember how God made promises to Abraham. He made these expansive promises to Abraham of a, of a land that he would become a great nation, that he would have so many descendants, they'd be like the sand on the seashore, innumerable descendants. He made all these promises to Abraham, but Abraham didn't live to see those promises kept. Except one. Abraham lived all of his life not really seeing God's promises kept towards him except one. Late in his life, God gave him a son named Isaac. And after a a few years of enjoying this kept promise from God, God shows up to Abraham and says, Abraham, I want you to take your only son Isaac and I want you to sacrifice him. As an offering of worship to me. Which is shocking. That is shocking enough. But perhaps even more shocking is Abraham. Without question. Without comment. Without conversation with God. Abraham packs up. Climbs the mountain. Builds the altar. Puts Isaac on the altar. And raises the knife. And in that moment, God intervenes and he stops Abraham and he provides a ram instead of Isaac for the sacrifice. And he says this, he says, he says, Abraham, now I know that you fear me. Do you see it? There it is. There is the fear of the Lord. That's what it means to fear God. It is Abraham's most important descendant, Jesus, kneeling in the garden on the night before he would die and saying, Father, I don't want to do this. Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours. And as one theologian said, that wasn't a shrug. That was an embrace. There it is. There is the fear of the Lord. To fear God is a posture before Him of absolute openness. Unguarded openness. Surrender. 
It is a posture before God of undivided loyalty. Now, what does that have to do with wisdom? What does that kind of fear have to do with living a wise life? Well, did you notice that in the uh, in these just first few verses here of Proverbs, did you notice what characterizes those who are wise and those who are able to become wise? It's their ears, right? It is their ears. It is that they can listen, that they can receive instruction. Verse five. Even those who all who are already wise, what does verse five tell them to do? You wise, hear. Here, verse 7, what is the opposite of the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of of knowledge. What's the contrast? What's the opposite? Fools despise wisdom and instruction. They cannot listen. They cannot hear correction. They cannot receive instruction. You see, what the fear of God, why it is so essential for wisdom, is that the fear of the Lord places us in a listening relationship to the ultimate source of wisdom. The fear of the Lord places us in a listening, a receptive, a responsive relationship to the ultimate source of wisdom. The fear of, the God, of, the fear of God teaches us the truth of our limitedness and then turns us towards His unlimitedness. The fear of the Lord teaches us that wisdom is not innate in us. We are not born with wisdom. You cannot become wise on your own with your resources. The fear of the Lord teaches us that wisdom is not innate in us, and then it turns us to what is infinite in Him. Back in the day, I was a, I was a pretty decent trumpet player, and I was in uh, the music school at FSU, and I had the opportunity one summer to spend a couple of weeks around a man named Phil Smith. And Phil Smith just retired, he just recently retired from a distinguished career as the principal trumpet player in the New York Philharmonic. He is simply one of the best ever to pick up the instrument. And so I feared him. I feared him, not in the sense I was really scared of him, but in the sense that not only was I in awe of his skill, but as I was around him, I would have done anything he told me to do. He was so far beyond me in skill that I would have done whatever he had told me to do. If he had said, you'll be a better trumpet player if you'll hop on one leg and bark like a dog, I would have done it. (laughs) I feared. That is the sense of fear towards God, only so much more so that Proverbs calls us to. It is to stand before Him receptive, ready to respond to what He says in this book. And if you do not have that posture, you will not become wise. 
If you cannot listen, if you cannot learn, if you cannot be corrected, if you cannot be told that you are wrong, you will never become wise. Do you know what it's like to talk to someone who is really listening? They're they're not leaning back with their arms crossed and their eyes wandering, right? No, when someone's really listening, they are leaning forward. There's eye contact. There is an open posture. That's what Proverbs wants for us towards God as he speaks in this book. Are you teachable? Or have you got it all figured out? Are you convinced that your perception of how you should live your life is correct, is done, is finished? Or do you have the kind of openness that Abraham had, that Jesus had? If you are not teachable, then wisdom will always remain out of reach. Now maybe you hear that, and certainly you see that scene with Abraham, or you see that scene with Jesus, and and maybe you think, no thank you. If that's what it takes to be wise, then maybe I can just manage my life without wisdom. No thank you. Okay, second question. If we must have the fear of the Lord to be wise, why should we want it? Why should we... Have the fear of the Lord. Do you remember Moses? Right alongside Abraham was one of the great figures of the Old Testament. And his life had fallen apart in Egypt. He was wandering around the middle of nowhere, close to a mountain with a flock of sheep. And he came across a bush that was burning. Only that bush wasn't consumed. It didn't didn't burn up. And as if that wasn't strange enough, the bush began to talk to him. And that that became an ongoing conversation with God. Do you remember in that initial conversation that Moses has with God, God introduces himself to Moses. He tells Moses his name. He says, Moses, go to my people and tell them, I am who I am. And tell them the I am has sent you. Well, that name that God reveals to Moses is found throughout the Old Testament. It's translated into English as the word LORD in all caps. And so did you notice in Proverbs 1, verse 7, it doesn't tell us to fear God, does it? It tells us to fear the Lord. And in that name is the reason for our because God reveals Himself with that name, that is why we should fear Him. Because it shows us, it teaches us two great and vital aspects of God's character. That name teaches us that God is both far and near. He is far. Not in the sense of physical distance, but in the sense of transcendence. In the sense of mystery. In the sense that He is beyond our grasp. He is beyond our definition. He is beyond our control. 
There is no one or nothing that can compare to him. Not long after God introduced himself to Moses, he did the same with his people at the same mountain where he introduced himself to Moses. Only then he didn't show up as a burning bush. He showed up as a volcano. The mountain was on fire, smoking and trembling. And he says to them, I am doing this. I am showing up in this way so that you will fear me. We should fear God quite simply because he is worthy of it. We should fear him because nothing can compare to him. He is a mystery beyond our understanding, beyond our grasp. It's the fear of Job. Suffering Job who cries out in his pain and complaint, but at the end, after God reveals himself, he puts his hand over his mouth inside. Job learned the fear of the Lord and where Job ends, Proverbs begins. We should fear him because he is worthy of it, but there is more. Because when God said to Moses, I am who I am, that is not all God said to Moses. He said, I am who I am, and I am with you. His name teaches us that he is not only far, but he is also near. He was giving his name to his people like a groom gives his name to the bride in a traditional wedding ceremony. God is not only far, He is near. His name not only reveals His transcendence, it not only reveals His power, it also reveals His love. It not only reveals His holiness, it also reveals His mercy. It's a remarkable verse in Psalm 130. Psalm 130 verse 4 tells us, it says of God, You Teach people to fear you. Not just by overwhelming them like you did Job. Like you did the people of Israel at that mountain. No, you teach them to fear you by forgiving. Fear of the Lord is not for perfect people. It is for forgiven people. God's name teaches us that He is both Far and near, and that is why we should fear Him. That is why we should stand before Him in that posture of surrender. Do you know what a flying buttress is? It's one of the great features and innovations of Gothic architecture. And a flying buttress has two functions. Visually, it communicates transcendence. When you walk in a great Gothic cathedral, what happens to your eyes? They go up, right? It's a result of the architecture. They lift up your eyes. They are flying. They communicate transcendence, but that's not all they do. They are also a safety feature, right? Because they hold up this massive structure. They keep it standing. They are not only flying, but they are buttresses. I heard someone once say of Gothic architecture that it soars and reassures at the same time. Well, that is even more true of the God to whom that architecture points. That is the name of the Lord that we are to fear. It soars and 
reassures at the same time for those who belong to Him. And that is why we should fear Him. Because He is beyond our grasp. But we are not beyond His. And we will learn wisdom as we place our lives under the flying buttress of God's name. And we can do that only, only through faith in Jesus. We will learn to fear God's name only through faith in Jesus. You see, as Jesus knelt in that garden... He wasn't just an example to us of the fear of the Lord. No, He was the Lord in flesh, becoming a sacrifice for us. So that we could know God's name. So that God's name for us would soar and reassure at the same time. So that we could stand before God, not in terror at His judgment, but in awe of His majesty. And on the assurance of His mercy. That's why we should fear Him. When, when I hear the word wisdom, and I imagine some of you too, it, I, I tend to think of cleverness. Right? And, and there's an element of that. We'll see that in the book of Proverbs. There's an element of wisdom that is a skill for living well, a skill for dealing with the world, for dealing with reality. That is part of wisdom, but that is not the heart of of wisdom. Viktor Frankl, the great psychiatrist, said, Sell your, cre- your cleverness, sell your cleverness, and buy bewilderment instead. That's the heart of wisdom. Not cleverness, but bewilderment. Wisdom begins and ends bewildered. At the great God who is beyond us, but who has revealed himself to us in his son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray.